Scuba Obsessed, the weekly podcast, we talk about all things scuba diving. From cool new gear, to places a dive, and scuba to news. Scuba Obsessed episode 495 is recorded live May 20th, 2021. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan, where this is the weather I live for. This has just been great weather here this week. I like it this way all year round. What are you, what are you, what are you groaning about? You don't like the weather? I'm just showing my shirt. Oh. I'm just showing my shirt. Ugh. Oh, there you go. I, I, the, w- w- what was the shirt saying? It was a little fuzzy on the on the feed. The Mark V helmet my daughter sent that to Oh, me a Mark V? There you go. That is yes. nice. Very nice. Yeah, I haven't been able to get the Our World Underwater to get me any new antique shirts because uh, they have a facility there that's a Mark V club, mm-hmm. basically. And they have some really good T-shirts with the Mark Vs for those who like that. Wow. Very nice. Who, who doesn't like a Mark V? Oh, love it. Yeah. Of course. Then I go down to Wolf's, I take a look at the one he's got on display. Uh-huh. I'd like to borrow that just for a little while. Yeah. I've, I've never dove in a Mark V. We did that as a club event twice. One we did at Andrews University. We had the breastplate, the helmet, and an actual hand pump device. Mm-hmm. And so if you're smart, you go down first because your buddies are energetic Uh because when they stop pumping and every time you exhale, the water level goes up. You have to keep the air pressure to keep the water level down. Ah. So you always want to be first so they don't play tricks on you. (laughs) And you never want to be last because everybody wants to get even. Oh, that's that's true. So there's the voice of experience there. Yes, and then we did a full dress at uh, Barron Lake one time. For those who wanted to try it, we put the full gear on with the hand pump plus an auxiliary compressor and uh, let you walk out into the sandy beach off the shelf and back in to give you a a good feel for what it took to walk and or try to swim in the damn thing. Swimming in a five is never easy. <laughs> Something to do with those lead boots on the, your feet. The, the, the lead boots and the, the big brass helmet. Well, and the breastplate weight, and the, <laughs> yeah. it depends on what you're driving. You know, if it's fast current, you got a lot of weight on you. Yeah. It, it would be an experience. Uh, it, it would be fun, I, I would, even with the helmet alone. I, I think now I'm, I'm up to taking it. I've, I've just heard ho- so many horror stories because my dad actually told me a story. Um, he had a dive instructor who, that was one of the things he liked to do is have people do the Mark V. Mm-hmm. And they did, uh, it was up there around Saugatuck. And he, they, if I'm remembering the story correctly, uh, he was in the boat and he ro- they he had him roll out of the boat in the Mark V 
and he went like hum- I don't know. Like he went no, like helmet. No. no, you don't think that could happen? No. No, so I've probably heard the story wrong then. Yeah, I I cannot. Uh, well, I won't say he didn't, but I I would find it very awkward and hard to do without tipping the boat over. Yeah, unless you got a big boat. Yeah, I I I can't remember, but I I from what I hear, and I'll I'll check with my dad, and I'll re- relay the story of the the Mark Five. I'm sure uh, it'll it'll be an an interesting one. So. Let's see. I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We've got Discord on. Uh, they're playing producers, uh, having a whole great time in there. Uh, Karen showing her pens. Nice. Joe's always got some nice She's got some pens. very nice pens. Yeah. She should show the kind of pens I got she gave me. Those are nice diving stuffs. Are you seeing it coming across? Yes. I do know that if I were working... And we had Christmas gifts and stuff. Those for special people would be nice. Yeah. I'd like to thank everybody who is in the chat room and also everybody who's in the live stream. This is week five of our live stream experiment. So you need to let us know how you think that's going. Uh, YouTube, we're, we're getting streamed onto YouTube, getting the feel for that. I got so many things I'm trying to watch, but I, I think I'm kind of getting a feel for it. Uh, it, it. It's it's going from where I think it completely sucked to it's only com- like mildly sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting to almost tolerable. Yeah. <laughs> because now with with doing this, because uh, I'm doing we're doing video, and we're also doing audio. I listen to podcasts like five or six times, and after five or six times, I can't. I, I'm done. I can't. I can't listen to it anymore. So uh, I have a new appreciation for the listeners. So we're, we're we're slowly improving audio. Dave in the chat room had said that audio this last week was a little bit better for the podcast. So certainly appreciate Good. that that feedback. Yeah, if we don't get the feedback, we don't know what to change. Yep. And that that means for not just the audio and video, but it's for content and there's a subject matter they would like us to talk about. Yeah. And I've got some ideas on that. I was I was going to do some tonight, but trying little steps at a time. I I want to do too much, and I got to just keep it little little bitty steps of adding something. But now that we got the video going, we're going to be able to add some more uh, con- uh, video content stuff that uh, videos that we actually take, and going to play around with some live streams. So that's an episode we're going to come up with is just kind of explain just some of the ideas of how we would live stream a, a podcast from a location We're working on those details. So let's go ahead and jump right on into the news this week. We have a full slate of articles up on the list. We'll go to this first one. And one of our favorite shipwrecks to talk about had a little bit of excitement this week. Crews continue to assess the effects of a fire last week at the wreckage of a cargo ship off the Georgia coast as they pick up increased debris that was washing ashore. The fire broke out on Friday at the Golden Ray, which had been cut up and towed away from St. Simmons Sound, where it had capsized in December, on September 2019, soon after leaving Port of Brunswick with 4,200 vehicles aboard. Once the fire was out on Friday night, emergency responders in the Coast Guard immediately launched into reinstallation pollution control operations 
while reinstating pollution control operations around the ship. Engineering team is reassessing the structure, see what kind of damage the fire caused to the ship and the machinery that was built to remove the wreckage. I'm looking at that, that photo there. Have you found any photos on this, Mac? No, I have not. No, I, I hadn't even looked, but... Yeah, because I hadn't even thought about that. They had the the fire. The, the few I had seen was mostly smoke. So they've, once again, have increased the safety zone around the wreck. It's up to 200 yards for recreational vehicles. Shoreline teams continue to recover increased numbers of small plastic debris from Jekyll Island and St. Simon Islands. Safety personnel continue air monitoring the community using mobile air monitoring equipment. On-water teams are dealing with a very light oil sheen and debris observed around the wreck site. I don't. I, Did you look at the video? No, I didn't. I'm just going through it. That video is worth looking at, by the way. Okay, let me. See. It covers uh, debris on the beach, mm -hmm. some of the debris from the wreckage, uh, some really, really nice pictures of uh, the barges and the cutting sections with the chain going around it. That's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Let me see if we can watch a little bit of that video. Are there some points that look better than others? Wow, that's a long video. Is that an hour? Yeah, it's like uh, an hour and 10 minutes. Well, I, I, I did the um, section, but I'm getting... Oh, that's a live feed. Th this video up well, here? I'm getting something different than you are. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting solitary pictures, which are pretty oh. nice. Oh, that was from a live feed, I think. Oh, so, well, look at that. Is that... Could that still be a live feed? It says live. I feed. can't because this is this is blue yeah. skies. Yeah, because they they were live. Wow, look at that. Wow. Yeah, so there's quite a bit of smoke coming off there. And and it's it's amazing that hasn't happened before. Now, just there has to be a huge amount of friction with that chain cutting through that wreck. Yeah. And you're you're cutting through vehicles with even a little bit of gas and oil in. Yeah, ship has hydraulics. A lot of opportunity for. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how much that slows things down. We we keep thinking we're halfway, but there's a way to stretch it out a little longer. Yeah. I didn't know they had so much debris along the shoreline too. <laughs> Not the engine and, and the big parts, but the interiors, parts of the interiors are washed up on the shore. Because mm -hmm. I imagine if that blade is going through or the chain, you're actually cutting the cars apart, and that's why you've got the car debris there. Never really thought about it until we saw the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it just makes sense that you would have things coming through. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a look at this next one. This is a follow-up to that lawsuit detailing uh, details alleged negligence drowned Missoula diver in Lake McDonald. Uh, Lisa Mills immediately knew her daughter was dead when the sheriff called her in a dark November evening. The sheriff called us and they wouldn't tell us what was wrong, but they said she had come out of, uh, they, they, they had to come to the house. And that's what I knew. They don't come to the house unless someone has died. But I told my husband uh, that Leanna died and we need to prepare ourselves. Was this the article related to what you had in the the notes, Mac? Yes. I, I gave you what I thought was quite an interesting highlight mm -hmm. and the verbiage she used. Uh, like I said, I love to read the 112-page item, but you've read up. Did you read uh, Did you go ahead and read this? 
Yeah, I read what you, is this what you wrote up then? Or just some of the points? Yeah, I got it right out of this. This is excerpts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so some some of the experts you had was uh, having attained her PADI open water certification after four dives, she had a drive on the Great Barrier Reef in 2018. To get her advanced open water certification for a new opportunity, she enrolled in October with Gall Dive. She rented equipment and a wetsuit from Gall Dive for her first dive in Sealy Lake, but received no orientation or instruction as required by Patty. Excuse me one second. Yep. This is where I go there. They're saying she's already a certified diver. What does she need instruction about with a wetsuit? Does that make sense to you? For a wetsuit? No. Well, and how about putting your gear on? Well, I mean, the most important concept is if you're not comfortable, call the dive. I mean, we, we've said that over yes. and over. So it's not to say this couldn't have been a problem, but it shouldn't have been a problem. Uh, you know, a wetsuit is one of the most basic pieces of gear. And if you get it on, uh, I mean, now in August in 100 degree weather, yeah, the wetsuit can be a problem. And that's where you you need to speak up and you know, usually... It, there's times where I got to jump in the water before I can get the rest of the gear on just to cool off on that yeah. and that wetsuit or and that can yeah. even happen in a dry suit. But uh, she had rented equipment and a wetsuit from her first dive, but received no orientation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, she was already a certified diver. So rented equipment, it's up. You, you're, you're renting the equipment. You, you do have, as instructors, they don't want to see you have a problem, so they're going to give you some advice. Uh, if you ask for it, I mean, you're going to have to ask for it because what, what happens, um, people who maybe haven't, haven't done this, there can be multiple people in the water. You're going to have, uh, an instructor, you're going to have some dive masters. Uh, you might have some newly minted dive instructors who are also helping out. Uh, Patty has some requirements on how many, what the ratio is of, uh, divers and training to instructors and support. Uh, I, I just disagree with some of the verbiage. Mm-hmm. The key item here is like, but the instructor had almost less experience than basically <laughs> her daughter. Excuse me, no. what? I know it could be, you know, zero to 20 and whatever, but you, you've you had the experience as a getting to be an instructor. So to say less experience than my daughter, I, I, it just irritates a little bit whatever out of me for somebody to say something like that. Yeah. Well, you, you can't almost had less experience. No, I mean, that's not, that's not possible. Cause didn't, didn't you, didn't you say that she had like five dives or something? Well, no, she had four initially for, for, for her certification. Then she did multiple dives on her trip. Right. Okay. Now she wants to get additional mm-hmm. experience and get her advanced open water. The other one should have taken her down to what sixty feet. Right. Now she wants to get it so she can go a little higher. But some of the comments they made, like, "Well, the instructor was less experienced, almost, than my daughter." Uh, the other aspect wasn't certified to teach diving at altitude or driving with a diving with a dry suit. First of all, she was she wasn't there in a dry suit. She was a wet suit. It was cold. They said, "If you want to, you could get a dry suit." Mm-hmm. That was the second part that really irritated me. Is that they talked about. Well, the instructor didn't know about the dry suit. I'm, I'm concerned is when she got the dry suit, they did not sell her or give her the inflator hose. Oh. 
Right, so now she winds up going there. She's got a dry suit on she's never used. There is no inflator hose. So can you dive without the inflator hose? I would not recommend it. No, uh, it's okay. But you can, but, but you, you can. can. You there's not. You, you can just plug it. You can just plug it up so you don't get the water through it. Shut your valve. You can dry. Yeah. Now, at what depth are you going to start become uncomfortable? Uh, about <laughs> twelve <dry> feet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say anything after fifteen feet, it's starting to give me a squeeze, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, it... Now, if you were experienced and you knew you had to do something open your neck down, you start letting water in, you ain't going to be squeezy anymore, right? <laughs> Not if you let your neck dam in, no. True. You're going to be wet, but by the same token, you're, got, you're not going to be negative. Right. And, and that's if you did it at the, at the bottom. If you, if you happen to- As long to, as you're in the water. Yeah. If you, if you happen, and, and some of this would be like if you or I who've, who've dove many times in a dry suit and we're going to do, because I, I would only want to do that with a shallow dive. You're just, you're adding- complexity so you could burp some extra air on the surface knowing as you go down that it compresses but that is just an equipment no-no to especially for a new diver to dive a dry suit without an inflator yeah and what i don't know either is i'd like to know was that a slope they went off of or was it immediately a drop off and they're in deep water because I understand, I, and I believe I can understand what happened to her. Uh, it talked about here, dry suits keep divers warm by maintaining an envelope of air around the diver. But in a descent, water pressure increases, so the diver needs to add more air in their suits to compensate for the pressure. Divers need to be properly trained or the pressure can push in on the diver and squeeze them, changing the buoyancy and really affecting their movement. Now, bend down a little bit and it does get tight but i've never been far enough down without adding air to know how uncomfortable that gets but i can imagine that if you're a newbie that's going to be tremendously uncomfortable you agree oh yeah yeah it, it's it's certainly going to be uncomfortable well the other part I, I thought was interesting is well you know you don't depend upon the buoyancy or the bc duh your dry suit for your buoyancy. You have to have a BC. When they put her gear together, they realized they didn't have a hose that fed her dry suit, so they capped it. Mm -hmm. Said, you can dive that way. If you're going shallow, I don't see a problem. What I, I believe happened is as she went down, the suit got tighter and tighter and tighter on her. And that's when she got a little panicky, lost her regulator. And everything else went to hell from there. Yeah, it doesn't take too long with a regulator out of your mouth for it to be over. Well, the other part was interesting. And again, how much of this is true, you don't know. They said the instructors discovered the air tank regulator they rented to, to the lady could not be connected to her dry suit because it didn't have the hose. Instead of canceling the dive, the instructors told her she could use her inflatable buoyancy compensator to keep herself vertically in position, which you can. Mm -hmm. But her control device was uh, for use with her wetsuit, not a heavier dry suit. That's what the mother is saying. That's not true. No, no. There, there's, there's. We we don't have different BCs for wetsuit and dry suit divers. Right. But the other part that got me going was also instead of a quick release weight belt, the instructor put 44 pounds of lead 
in the pockets of her dry suit and BCD. Now, I understand the BCD because that's where you're going to put it. Where on a dry suit would you put extra lead? There are dry suits with pockets, but not typically I, a rental dry suit. Yeah. So I was just curious, how much lead do you need when you dive in your dry suit? Me, and I'm a big guy, uh, 18 pounds maybe, maybe 22. Really? Yeah, I, 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 I don't load up a lot. I, I go as... I have... You go light. Yeah, I, I go as light as I can. That just makes buoyancy better. How about I do 40 pounds? You do 40 pounds, really? Yes, I do. Wow. I'll have to check. I'm I'm pretty sure it's like 20 to 22. 18, 20, 22, depends on the season. You know, if we're in a river, I'm going to, I'll add on to it. I mean, there's been times where I've come back up to the shore and done a clip-on and thrown it on. Or I'll have a couple also, clip-ons and I, I can put it in the basket if I don't need it. Yeah, and it also depends on which dry suit. Yeah. For for the Viking, for the uh, the thin stuff, you can get away with a lot less weight. But with a, like a Poseidon suit, mm -hmm. which has got a lot of buoyancy to itself, I needed the extra weight. Well, yeah, because your, yours is uh, kind of a neoprene, isn't it? Your dry suit? Yep. Yeah, yes. yeah, that neoprene dry suit. You you do, I would, yeah, me, I would probably need even more than that. But yeah, I'm, I'm in a Viking, and if you don't have a whole lot of air in it, uh, yeah. I, I actually dive with less weight in my dry suit than I do in a wetsuit. Oh, no way in blazes can I do that. <laughs> well, you've seen my wetsuit. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other, the other, the reason I even bring that up is I don't know what kind of pockets and how much lead they put in there, but my understanding, at least my BC, I have a minimum of 36 to 40 pounds of lift in my BC. So if I had 44 pounds and I got rid of one or two of the weights from the BC, which should be easy to pick off, right? Mm -hmm. You don't put them in a zipper pocket. That even with that and inflate your BC, you should go up. You agree? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I, I sort of get confused unless she went down, got panicky, lost her regulator. And at, at 60 feet, you're going to feel squeezed. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Well, Improper weighting can cause problems. So, you know, 44 pounds, like, you know, we, we need to know what type of dry suit. Did, was there any air in it? Because um, I, I probably the first few times I, I dove in a dry suit, I was probably overweighted. And this has taken years of fine-tuning uh, to get it just where I like it. Yeah. Since I've confused so many people, let me read a few things here real quick, okay? Mm -hmm. The students entered the water around 5 p.m. without receiving any safety briefing. I don't know what that meant. So the instructor took the young lady and EG down. That means there was two people to one instructor to 15 feet for five minutes, during which time the other individual got cold, fearful, and struggling. They surfaced. Snow took that young person out. Not noticing that the other lady, uh, that all the air had been squeezed out of her dry suit. Mm -hmm. A few minutes later, took her back down 
and another student to 60 feet. Again, one instructor, two people. Gentry had a dive light or GoPro on his chest so he could see the plight of the daughter. Mm -hmm. And he recorded it. Five minutes into the dive, she was standing on an underwater ledge, struggling to breathe or move because the water pressure at 60 feet was double that at the surface. This is what's in the write-up. She tried to kick to the surface, but couldn't overcome the weight and lack of buoyancy that held her down. Item, why not the BC? Right. Okay. Swimming nearby, Snow didn't look at the instructor, or the instructor didn't look at the daughter. Well, I don't know how that's, how she knew that. If you you got two students, you're going to be looking at both of them, I would think. She uh, frantically signaled to Gentry, who immediately swam to help. Her gesture spun her around backwards, and she sank rapidly. He swam after her, catching her at a depth of 85 feet, where the water pressure is three times that at the surface. She struggled to breathe as the dry suit sucked around her body, crushing her. Gentry worked for 32 seconds trying to save her as they continued to sink, but couldn't find the lead weights to drop them. As she lost her regulator, he gave her air from his but with the higher pressure, they were both running quickly out of air. As a last effort, Gentry tried to heave Lena upward, but couldn't lift her. Finally, he went for help, rocketing from 105 feet to the surface in less than a minute. At first, he couldn't locate anybody, but snow eventually surfaced. Hearing the story, she drove briefly down to look for Lena, couldn't find her. On the second dive, they found her at 127 feet. In part of the write-up, they said it's really good because the other gentleman filmed all of this, and they have a real good video. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, that's certainly okay. going to help because you're going to have timing. Uh, it's not just somebody well, describing because in that situation, you you on your own, time compresses and expands. Well, Gentry worked for 32 seconds. Did he have a stoplight or stopwatch? Well, I'm guessing that some of this has been timed from the video. I mean, well, how, you've why... done video before, mm -hmm. and if you've got it mounted on your chest, I've done video, and in this kind of situation, you're going to be all over the freaking screen. Well, it, it's it's not going to be movie quality. Uh, By it, any stretch. No, and it's a GoPro on, because that, that's got a wide angle, but a lot of it's going to be close up. Yeah, and I, I imagine he didn't say anything about the visibility. I, I really would like to get more on this. I'm going to follow this one because I'm really curious about it. Yeah. But it's, it's I, I don't understand why it happened. Well, did, did they say, I mean, did she run out of air? Well, no regulator in her mouth. R right. Remember, so he was, she was buddy breathing, yeah. and then he went to the surface. It sounds like she didn't get her regulator back. I'm curious about that, too, because normally a student's going to have your primary and your backup regulator. Yeah, even in rental gear, you're typically going to have your primary and your backup. And that's a lot of what any... you're, you're training with at this point in time. Right, because everything Wolf does, you get two regulators. Well, they're not going to, the, the PADI course isn't going to let you, you've, you've got to have a primary and a backup, especially at advanced. You're not... It's not until you get to other exotic stuff. And, and I, 
you know, side mounts and other things, which I don't, does Patty have a side mount class yet? I don't really know. Yeah. But normally it's going to be, you're, you're either going to be a, a single with a primary and a backup, or you're going to be diving doubles, but you know, not at your advance. Yeah. It's going to be more your tech diving. Now, the other interesting part is last July, uh, Ellen Hubble sued Gull Dive in the death of her husband who drowned in another diving incident in June of 19 or 2019. Mm -hmm. The gentleman hadn't dove for, he was scuba trained, but he had not dove in over 25 years. Oh, wow. And it said he, he hadn't scuba dived in more than 25 years, so he wasn't certified. I don't know if that means he was certified and they consider it lapsed, which we know is not true. Right. So he certainly wasn't current. It said, but Gold Dive rented equipment to him, and it was later found Hubble, the guy that drowned, regulator was on backwards. Now, I don't understand how, if you're diving, how your regulator is on backwards. Uh, I, I mean, I can kind of guess what somebody's talking to. Uh, I put what my, does that mean? Well, I put my regulator on backwards. Well, I put my regulator on upside you down. Mean, you mean your tank was backwards? No, I, I, my, my tank is forward, but, um, I have my, and, and we should, we should, I should show my tanks, uh, in one of these episodes so we could, we could see what it is, but I, mine's not, I don't orient mine the way that you, you typically do. And that was for snag hazards. I, I had mine, and then it. What maybe what they're doing is he said instead of the uh, the valve being towards you, he had it away. I mean, regulator be the opposite side. Yeah. Well, and as long as your hose is long enough, that doesn't really matter. I mean, it's going to be. I'm trying to think if you're, you know, reaching up trying to turn. You know, the valve's going to be. If you've got it, distance the distance is going to be the same. Just be over your left shoulder if you're right-handed. Well, because you've got ports on, on your first stage and it may shorten the, or it may change the run, but not significantly. Yeah. Plus your back, your bailout or your second regulator generally is a little longer. Mm -hmm. So if you had trouble with one, you'd use the other one. Yeah. But I'm just, this is interesting. They're bringing up other items from different cases to try to prove a point that is quite i would consider yeah. it confusing well they're they're hoping that defense needs to have some really good experts in there because it's going to be a a a technical nerd fest where you've got one side saying one one thing and one side saying the other uh, and, well and since the parents weren't there they don't know what he really did say mm -hmm. or what kind of briefing they did give it's going to be sort of dependent on what the other people say, which we haven't heard about. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I think this is one we're going to definitely follow up on. I don't want to burn any more of your time on it. Yeah, but, but well, kind of back on the 25 years. I mean, a lot's changed in 25 years. Big time. Uh, I mean, that that's probably in the, you know, 25 years is the beginning of uh, what we would call the modern BCs. And has it been 30 years since those? Was it? When did you go from the horse collar to like a BC? Would that have been 80s? Well, I, I didn't have the horse collar first. I had a Navy vest. Right. Single, you blow up on your arm with a CO2 cartridge. 
after I did a wreck dive on the uh, Cedarville a long time ago, and I, it was hard to get up off the bottom. Mm-hmm. When we finally finished the dive, the first thing I bought at Wolf's the weekend after was a BC that had the auto inflator. Okay. Yeah. And but God, for the other stuff. Uh, 25 years is a long time to go without. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's still the divers because a dive shop, all they have to do is make sure that you're a certified diver to rent equipment. And that's the other part that got me. So he wasn't certified. If he was a real diver before, mm-hmm. one would think he did have a C card. And logistically, I've never seen one with an expiration date. No, I've, I've never heard of it. I uh, could be wrong. Somebody prove us wrong. Put it in the put it in the comments. <laughs> Send us an email. Uh, I mean, common sense would preclude it that you really want to say current, but yeah. And that's that's a whole other discussion too. Is the the whole yeah. debate on whether there should be expirations on uh, dive training and certification? Practically, uh, common sense says that you need to maintain your skills, but as far as requirement, yeah. there isn't. Yeah, the the danger there is you do it for two or three years, then you stop, and then 25 years later, you pick it up again. Yeah, that, that's if too If you long. haven't had some, yeah, if you have not had some refresher in pool time, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, but if I'm a dive shop and I see a new guy and, you know, I'm assuming they either checked to see card or they looked him up, but, I mean, that could be what they're going to go after is say that they didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it, one thing is if you, if you, it, I, I believe it just says who they are and when the date was that they got the certification. I mean, there's a lot of us with, with C cards that have, have been around a while. Yeah. So, so it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're inactive or need to be recertified. It just means that that's the time that's elapsed from when your card was yeah. issued. Yeah. You're not a total newbie. Yeah. Well, this next article is talking about Dive Heart. You know, our uh, friend Jim Elliott, who founded the organization in 2001, uh, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. So Dive Heart, which is based out of Downers Grove in Illinois, uh, who is a nonprofit, and uh, their mission is helping children's veterans and others with disabilities through adaptive scuba and scuba therapy. Uh, their goal is to help revolutionize rehabilitation using zero gravity underwater to help those with everything from mobility issues to chronic pain and post-traumatic stress. Underwater, the weightless wonder of the water column gives wheelchair users and others with disability freedom from gravity where the chronic pain evaporates. Through these programs, participants develop confidence, independence, and self-esteem as well as other physical and psychological benefits. Dive Harp has helped shape the future of scuba therapy for people not just with disabilities, but all abilities. And it is an honor to be a leader in the adaptive dive community and partner with businesses and organizations around the world to further that mission, said Hernandez. As part of the 20th anniversary, she said Dive Heart is launching a 20 for 20 fundraiser to continue support for the programs. She hopes to reach her goal of raising $20,000. One out of five people in the world has a disability and millions of people around the world suffer from chronic pain. Hernandez says millions find more relief in the water through aqua therapy. The nonprofit Dive Heart takes the relief 
one step further through scuba therapy, it will continue to do this with donations from the public and other partners. Throughout the years, DiveHeart continues to help facilitate cutting-edge scuba therapy research with university medical centers around the country and has the most innovative, adapted scuba training program in the world for scuba instructors and dive buddies who want to learn to work with people with disabilities underwater and on scuba. Its effort and programmings have been recognized. Recently, DiveHeart was a winner in the 2020 Chair Care Awards in the category of Health Living for Diving Past Boundaries and Chair Care and Association National Academy of Television Arts Scientists New York Chapter. A big 2021 goal, Elliot said, is for DiveHeart to get a gift of land so it can build the world's deepest warm water therapy pool to replicate some of the benefits of scuba therapy that sees in the open water environments. It is our hope this new facility will revolutionize rehabilitation, not just for people with disabilities, but people of all abilities. So if you want to find out more information, you can visit them at diveheart.org. A little bit of a press release, but they're a great organization. We need to have Jim Elliott back on the show. He was one of our early guests, you know, when we were doing, when we had done less than uh, 50 episodes. So that'd be good to have him on. And we've had a good number of our people in the club and are associated with the club mm-hmm. who have actually taken those courses to uh, help with some of that. Yeah. Uh, up there at the, with the Mary Freebed. Yes. Scuba divers begin a six-month effort to rid Lake Tahoe of trash. Teams of scuba divers on Friday completed the first dive of a massive six-month effort to rid the popular Lake Tahoe of fishing rods, tires, aluminum cans, beer bottles, and other trash accumulating in the water. The team between five and ten divers t- plans to look for trash along the entire 72 miles or 115 kilometers of shoreline dig out an endeavor that could be the largest trash cleanup in lake tahoe's history said colin west a diver and filmmaker who helped clean up the lake the nonprofit spearheading the organization oh he founded clean up the lake we are still learning not to be so wasteful but unfortunately as a species we still are and there are a lot of things down there, West said, after completing the first dive. The team collected 200 pounds of trash, which is about 90 kilograms, during their one tank session and found 20 large or very heavy items, including buckets filled with cement and car bumpers that will have to be retrieved later by a boat with a crane. Yeah, you could do left bags. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Uh, the plan to dive three days a week down to 25 feet, seven meters in depth. The cleanup effort will cost $250,000. They paying these people? It, they must be. I mean, the nonprofit is collected through grants. Uh, yeah, 250. Yeah, I would want an accounting of that. <laughs> I would want to see where we have cleaned up. So they did 200 pounds. How how much did we <laughs> do in Niles in, a, in an ecology dive? Uh, we we recycled. I had over well, we recycled that steel in the trailer. I mean that had oh, yeah. that was that had that was five six hundred pounds. We filled a dumpster. Yeah. Jeez, uh, somebody owes us two hundred and forty nine thousand <laughs> seven hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> 
or at least two or three hundred for yeah. coffee and donuts. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing them, but that that two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars, I, I want to know really where that money is going to. I, you know, if you're like, say you are going to bring a crane out there and you're going to do some heavy pieces, and, and there are pieces that are going to be easier to take out. Uh, but yeah, that's boy, that's a lot of money. Now, that's a couple of shackles there. Yeah, how how many? You know, maybe they're reimbursing for tanks. You know, the air. Maybe they're. That's a lot of air. <laughs> <laughs> See, that is. Uh, yeah, that's. that's I could that's, buy a good good compressor for that. You're right. You could you could put everybody in hookahs with a with a nice long line. Yes. Uh, back in 2008, after Diver Friend told him he and others had collected 600 pounds of garbage from the waters of Tahoe's eastern shore, he decided to focus the trash in the water. How, how big? That's 72 miles of shoreline. I mean, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of shoreline. But you know as well as I do that that shoreline, there's only so many places where you're going to have a lot of people congregate, that's mm. not going to be total usage of that whole shoreline. Yeah. So you're going to concentrate on where, where the parking lot's at. It's got the biggest parking lots and concentrate on those areas. Or at least that's where I would go. Yeah. You, you, you know, piers, uh, boat docks. Uh, Find the place for the porta potties because that's where the people are. People are. Uh, up. <laughs> And out in the lake, and, and that gets pretty deep pretty quick, doesn't it? So they're probably staying pretty close to shore yeah. for a lot of these. Well, they said 25 feet are going to be their max. Yeah. That will cost to Hey, that's good money if you can get it. If you can get a grant, go for it. Well, I'm glad they're doing it. It's a thing we like to do. It's an activity. We'll have some more talking about ecology dives. Uh, we've got mud clubs doing an ecology dive, and I've heard uh, that there'll be another organization in southwest Michigan also doing an ecology dive. That is correct. Sometime this year. So we'll yep. keep everybody informed. Uh, and, if, and if you aren't in our area and you want to do an ecology dive, uh, just keep your eyes and ears open. Talk to your dive shops and ask about it. Okay, four-legged fish. Are those tasty? Uh, four-legged <laughs> fish older than dinosaurs rediscovered in Madagascar. The, was it Coclacanth? Coclacanth? Uh, four-legged living fossil is a fascinating species. It's uh, bright blue, predates dinosaurs, weighs as much as an average-sized man. I'll show them how much they should weigh. Uh, their ship hasn't changed much in 420 million years. The critically endangered fish are known to exist off South Africa's east coast. So when one was discovered alive and kicking, it's bound to make headlines as demand for shark fins and oil drives fishers into deeper waters in Madagascar. The shark hunters are rediscovering previously unknown populations of West Indian Ocean colacanths. Uh, this could be pretty bad news for the species, according to a report from Mahaga Bay Mangat <laughs> Mangaja Bay. <laughs> I, I, why can't I say that? News. For the local, from the news. local news, it's not even a name, and I can't even pronounce it. A nonprofit 
Environment Conservation Platform. The species was believed to be extinct in 1938 when the first surviving fish was found off the east coast of South Africa. Subsequent captures of several others occurred in the early 1950s, proving the colacanths uh, were in fact not extinct. Now these endangered species are reemerging, and fishermen are using high-tech deep-sea nets and shark hunting expeditions. Um, undersea canyons in depths of 330 to 1,640 feet or 100 to 500 meters, which are accessible to fishermen's gill nets. According to a recent study published by SA Journal of Science, the popularity of shark hunting could be putting the species in jeopardy, especially in Madagascar. The Jarafa gill nets are used to catch sharks in relatively new and more deadly innovation as they are large and can be set in deep water, researchers wrote. There's little doubt that large Mesha Jarafa gill nets are now the biggest threat to all the survival of coquelicants in Madagascar. I'm, I, I think I need to find a sentence with five words I can't pronounce. <laughs> that, that's my goal. I'm, I'm sure we'll find one. Um, I thought the aspect that most, a large percentage of the captures are pregnant females, and they are thought to only produce 140 live babies over the course of their entire lives. Now, if that's true, when they're catching all the pregnant females, that does not bode well for the rest of them. No. And looking at the picture, I couldn't figure out where the four, four legs come from. Uh, I, just, I think I just lost the article. Um, but I, I know you, I know in the photo it's, it's more fins. I think it's the, yeah. I think they're kind of walking on their fins. Now from this side, I can see two that you could, like you said, they could belly walk on. Yeah. But ugly looking guy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, A face a mother could love. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, let's see. What else do we have? We're We're getting down here at the end. Titanic, I think that's pretty neat. Oh, I, I see what happened. I I clicked on a privacy link and it sent me someplace else. So, there, yeah, there's the fish there on the screen. Yeah, I think you've got these, like, little front fin there mm-hmm. and a couple of back fin. So we're, we'll, we'll take their word for it. They're, they're four-legged. Yeah. Now, Titanic, it's always good for a good Titanic story. A Titanic replica now under construction in China. I guess their audience is for those who have wondered what it would be like to be a passenger on the Titanic. You can come to this theme park in China. That's going to be the closest experience you can get. They're creating an exhibit called Unsinkable Titanic. The ship is the exact same size as the original, 269 meters in length and 28 meters wide. The centerpiece of the theme park is called... Roman de Sea, which I have the same amenities, its namesake, including banquet halls, theaters, observation deck, and a swimming pool. Guests will be able to pay to spend a night aboard the ship. It will be permanently docked in the reservoir in the Quinjang River, about 130 kilometers from the province capital, Chengdu, several hundred kilometers from the sea. Opening date has not yet been set. CNN reported on the project in 2016. 
when construction workers had just started laying the keel. Recent photo by news agencies offers a new look at the construction and pro uh, progress on the replica. Uh, and then they, uh, kind of a little side note, they're saying that the China ship isn't the only one proposed for the making a replica. In 2018, Australian company Blue Star Line announced work was recommencing on the Titanic 2 following a lengthy display. Display. Goodness. Delay. It has been promoted as an identical copy of the infamous liner, home to 835 cabins and 2435 passengers. I remember covering that one on the Blue Star Line, and I think they were actually planning on doing tours. Like it was going to set sail in... But uh, they've kind of gone dormant. So I'm thinking like with anything else with the pandemic, it's not a good time. <laughs> you know, the cruise industry in general has not been having the best of it. And now the one in China, I think, you know, as an amusement park, because I picture it being how we had the riverboats here in Indiana. You know, they're, they're floating, but they're not going anywhere. You know, they're just kind of in a little lagoon or something and, Well, if you can build the, 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 the ark and have people go to there, you're going to have people come to this. Now, my idea would have been a little different, though. Mm -hmm. You saw the picture of it, right, in that dry dock? Yeah. Did you, did you see the picture? Okay. Yep. And it cost them $197 million to build this, right? Yep. Now, what they needed to do is have it a little deeper in the dry dock and then simulate the sinking. Oh, okay. Horror. And then they could play the music on that. You could be part of the, you know, you say one of them, make it, it's a theme park, amusement. Uh -huh. They could really, they could go over the top of that, you know. Yeah, yeah, you could do all fireworks coming off of it, throw icebergs in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, which is, but would you simulate the sinking? Which was more active and participative? Just in there drinking and saying, hey, I'm going to sit on the bow with a fan blowing in my face. Or, have a simulated sinking at night. I'd love that. I think the sinking would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have to sink all the way down to the top deck, but uh, you could really, people, that would be a heck of an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I apologize for If you're a little warped, I suppose, like yeah. me, but. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've trying to fix your video. Uh, Discord has decided, not Discord, OBS has decided it's not going to refresh your You can always cut me off and just do the audio with it. That way it would be less distracting if you're trying to do it. <laughs> less distracting. See, right, right now it's just a, uh, a still of you. Yeah, good oh. pose. <laughs> well, hopefully I'm not picking my nose on the still. On the still. No, no, you weren't. If I am, let me know, though, so I can change it. Yeah. Here I'm gonna we're 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 gonna do this in real time. Let's see if I can do a new browser. Do you remember this. what the cost what the cost of the Titanic was the original? No, I, any idea? I don't remember. It says one billion won, which is 197 million dollars to build a replica. Mm -hmm. Now I bet you they're not going to put engines and stuff in it. No. I just wonder how much below deck they'll do it. I'd, I'd imagine for all the passenger aspect, you would do it. 
Yeah. But I don't think you'd have the little cabins that uh, the luggage people had to be carried in. Mm-hmm. The immigrants, you know, below, way, way below deck. So if you don't have all that, you can save a lot on money and weight. Now you can actually sink that ship. That would be pretty cool. But that's just me. Okay. I think I messed up your audio now. Yeah, this 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 will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just I'm, I'm clicking going through uh different streams. Why why is it doing <laughs> that to me? Why are you making me look bad in front of all my friends? Stop it. I don't know. Oh, here. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, this makes for great, great podcasts. Um, oh, there it is. Why? Uh, you can just blank me out. That'd be a lot easier. Yeah. Okay. I just removed you. Now you're back in. Here. <laughs> I'm easy. Here you go. Say Say something now. Something now. Something yeah, there, now, there you go. Now. Okay. Yeah, we'll, oh. and we'll try one more time. Oh, I, there are buttons here. Got all sorts of buttons here in the background. Ooh. Ah, there. Now I know. There's a magic button. See, <laughs> there, you got you got to hit the magic button. You know, just, you know, there's okay. a little, like you're just doing the international typing sign on this. Not, what does that do for you? It doesn't do me any good. <laughs> none, none whatsoever. Then okay. what did the magic button do? Oh, the magic button just kind of, it's, uh, let me let me read the magic button. What it does is it says, refresh cache of current page. So, and that's what I did. I refreshed cache of current page. Because what I had done is made another one, but because I've got all these scenes, you know, two, information nobody wants to know, but I've got all these scenes and I've got to go add them in. And then, because I was adding you in, the audio is coming back on two and not on one. And ah, it just, it's just a mess. See, we'll, <laughs> we'll, get good, we'll get good at this at some point. Really. Uh, so, but the Titanic, yeah, so there it is. The Titanic's there in the picture. Okay, and I think we've got, oh, I, I have this one article so that's kind of does it for scuba the news but this next one i thought you might it's kind of in our back door so it's a little bit of local and you know just mm-hmm. just something to, to talk about so we'll, we'll see where this goes but uh, a former president uh was talking and we have ufo sightings in michigan and a former president speaks out he lied, by the way. He lied. That uh, he lied. You're saying a politician he, lied. I'm supposed to believe politicians did. lie. Well, I I'm, I don't mean to dis- cause any disparagement or anything like that, but he was told, and I won't tell you how I know, but he <laughs> okay. was told. How can you hide it since it's already been in the freaking the Navy released it uh-huh. years ago to the. When when the FBI or the whatever releases all the, the facts they're supposed to yep. release this coming couple of weeks, oh. you'll find out he did know, oh. as all of them have known. Ah. So the, but now, do they? Do you think they've got like tickets to go? I mean, do they have? Uh, 
You know, like, do they have a deal where the aliens say when we come and, you know, decimate the planet, we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll, well I'm not at liberty to discuss that part because it <laughs> creates strife and a lot of people who weren't in the know or, or had options that the normal person, your other poor sucker, I mean, yeah, the other okay. six and a half billion people are going to be fed to the, uh, I mean, uh, not fed, did I say that out loud? Soylent Green, is that what you're implying? No, I, I was thinking more that uh, human meat is a very saleable <laughs> item. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different story. We won't cover that tonight. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it said he was a guest on the James Corden show where he, where he laughed off the idea the government was having secret locations where they were holding alien ships and alien technology. The former POTUS said in his video chat that when he came to office, he actually asked. I think every president does. Is that like you do the first day? Can I get the alien files? Well, what is it that, that they always say the... Uh... Oh, what is that book of American Secrets or something? Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, the I, one. I think that's, that's the one you want to look at. Well, I think it's just a big book of knock-knock jokes. You think? Yeah. Yeah, that's all that is. Uh, it's 2020 and UFO sightings are on the rise here in Michigan. A number of sightings in our state has been on the rise for the past two years. Past April, there were UFO sightings in Clarkston. And Battle Creek and areas unexplained objects in the sky in March. It's funny that when people say they have spotted flying objects and strange lights over the sky, we consider them crackpots until we see something unexplained. That is exactly what happened to me. I was commuting at the time from Owasso to South Lansing in the wee hours of the morning, heading west on I-69. I saw it look like a streetlight up ahead in the highway. I remember thinking to myself, who in their right mind would put up a streetlight in a random stretch of roadway? The bright light then shot up in the sky, hovered, then took a heading to the west at a very high speed. Yep, not a street light. After deciding I would keep this encounter quiet, more and more people reported the same thing. That means I saw my first and hopefully last UFO. Ain't the last. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think. The key one, do you ever go to MUFON? I know one of the uh, individuals who does the investigations for the section of Michigan. Okay. And uh, on March 24th, they had multiple witnesses identify, we think we've seen a UFO. And what it was is uh, the witnesses in several states reported an enormous cylinder moving slowly across the sky, really, really high. Uh, the case was investigated and what they found out in that particular case, based on the location, and what they were looking at, the object was actually another group of Starlink satellites <laughs> launched a few minutes before the the, the sighting. The mm -hmm. SpaceX satellite appears as a single object when they first leave their launch vehicle and will slowly spread out to reveal individual satellites. So that one had a good explanation. But I don't know if you read anything today about the Navy again. Said, so, oh, by the no. way. We tracked another one out in California, went down, meaning from 80,000 feet to right at the surface of the water in one second. It then moved laterally away from the ship and then dove down into the, to the ocean. So it went down into the water? Yes. Okay. Now... This gives credence to one that was reported four years ago off the California coast 
that was shadowing the Navy. Well, when this one went down, the one the Navy was shadowing, they had a submarine in the vicinity. The submarine tracked something going 380 knots underwater. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. The <laughs> Until they lost it. So uh, how do you even track something that fast underwater? I mean, you're just, you're just, I mean, I guess maybe for torpedoes, you've got to well, have that sort got, of equipment. You know, you know, you've got some now that are supposed to be yeah, the hypersonic six, 700. Ones. Yeah. Right, right. The, the Russians have one out. We actually have one too. They don't talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, we do have some fast ones. But coincidental with the sub, which, and when you have a battle fleet, you've always got a couple of subs out there, fast attacks. You don't have boomers. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones who said, uh, it wasn't, it is, now it ain't. Hmm. So not only was it a visual, yeah. Radar, visual. I mean, first it was radar, then it was visual, splash, then it was on sonar or whatever the device they were using for tracking. Okay. Interesting. I, I find it fascinating. I, I my dad I think I was in middle school. Uh he he dragged me to a couple conferences and I think it was put on by Omni magazine. And uh it was, it's interesting. I, you know, I'd like to have some more information, but. A, a large majority, uh, what you ought to do is uh, if you go airplanes slash mm -hmm. UFO and track it, it's people who like the video out of their jet windows when they're traveling. Yeah. And they don't notice anything until they get home. Oh. <laughs> and then they slow the sucker down. And it's like, what the hell was that? Yeah. And some of the videos are very, very good. And a couple of them, you always look at it and wonder, well, how can they dupe that one? I mean, I always look at how can somebody manipulate it so it would be something that really wasn't. Yeah. But by the same token, there's a lot of those out there that are very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So, I, I'll be I, like I said, France released all their, their crap five, six years ago. Uh, the Italians released one, a video of a UFO or you unidentified object shooting the tail off one of their attack helicopters. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like that wasn't, you know, enhanced. That was, you watch a helicopter crash and the people died. Wow. So it's like, it's, it's going to be interesting. Okay. And it seems to be more and more and more now. So, yeah. Well, Who knows? we've got more cameras. Uh, I mean, you you can, for less than $300, buy a dash cam for your car. So if you're driving when something happens, you can have it on your dash cam. you got GoPros. You've got... Oh, in Russia, overseas, mm -hmm. that's almost... you got to have one because there's so many uh, scams. They try to create accidents for the insurance. Yeah. Uh, they say it's just it's awful overseas. Yeah. Uh, how much, I really don't know, but it doesn't sound like a happy time. No. But if if you really want to try something interesting, take two identical cameras, put them on a tripod, have them on the seafront looking over Lake Michigan, for example, and have one on night vision, which is like the infrared. Yeah. And then look at them the next day for over an hour or two. You will see stuff in the infrared zone that you just, uh, you will find 
interesting. You'll find it hard to explain what it was because you don't see it in one, but you see it in the other one. They're mirror. The only difference is one's got the well, the ultraviolet yeah. slash night vision. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of stuff out there. Yeah. And Michigan is a real big hotspot. Okay. And only time will tell when all become believers. I, I, f- I feel like I need like the theremin music or something that, that goes with na, 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 na. Yeah. <laughs> so. Do you really, do you believe people out there don't believe, don't really realize that how's that quote? We are not alone. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that I, I admit it's possible, but I just don't know. I mean, that's, that's what I've, based on my experience. Well, like they say is you should be very afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're the NO people. I'm certainly not one of one of them who's in the NO. <laughs> so that does it for Scuba in the News and our UFO sightings. So has anybody been getting any diving in the last week? I saw that uh, Kevin and Amy got some dives in. They've been in, and uh, they've been shipwrecked out, not they, uh, Bob and company, Sarge mm-hmm. and a few of those, uh, Diamond Lake, back on the wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said it was getting mellow on the surface, still a little chilly at the bottom. So a dry suit is in order. Yeah, dry suit if you got it. Yep, I got a dive this Saturday, so I'm going to give you at least what the river is like. Okay. Next week. Visibility looked pretty good, too. I was out there last week. Uh, surface-wise down, it's two and a half, three feet. It should be pretty decent. We haven't had any uh, any substantial rain. We've had a little sprinkling yes. here and there. Yep. Uh, and then you also have grasses starting to grow. So even if you do get some rain, it's not like it is early in the spring where farmers have tilled the fields and uh, you know, stuff's starting to sprout. Back yeah, to, I'll be I was going to say, I was at the river, and if you look at where the boathouse used to be half underwater uh, at the um, Whirlpool campus, yeah, that is all the way out, and even parts of the uh, dock mm-hmm. are not underwater anymore. Oh. So the water level is way down. Okay. And if you go under the bridge, the drawbridge, you will notice why they don't have water on Main Street by the campus anymore. Okay. You've noticed the pumps they had out, they built enclosures around them. Yeah. And the outlet pipe is this big, and it looks like a geyser coming out of it even today. Hmm. They're keeping those uh, systems really drained as best they can. Yeah. Well, they're they're getting used to, to maintain them and working and it helped that the water levels really down right now which is really good how far down is it from the high uh laterally well before at the at the dock the water was right there at the dock you know where we used to uh, the fishing dock they have out there yes for the fishermen where it was right there by it it's down below probably a couple of feet now but still, you can go out into the shallows. It's uh, when I say shallows, the water's still up on shore, mm-hmm. maybe three feet before it hits the rocks to go down. Yes. Okay. So it's still 
substantially high. It's just yeah, it's still high, but not near what yeah. it was. Because water still seems to be two or three feet higher than what it what our shores are expecting. <laughs> where you yeah. where you look at the landscaping and the seawalls, it's uh, still kind of high. Yeah. Well, do you have a dive safety story for this week? Well, you got over an hour in something. I don't know. Do you want it or you want me to save it for next week? Well, can you tease it for next week? Well, we'll cover it next week. Well, it's called Gray Around the Gills. Okay. Are you too are you old are you too old to dive? Oh. And the interesting part is this was a write up done in two thousand three. And the funny part is it's right on the money today. Yeah. So gray around the gills. Very good. So if you tune in next week and we'll cover that one. Yeah. It's, it's a good one, especially for our aging dive force, especially yeah. our dive club, like a lot of them. Yeah, I'm starting to resemble that remark. Well, let's see. Do we have anything we want to plug? Uh, normally, I think some of the things I need to work on is just to have some spots that we insert as we're recording and just put it in. I could edit it in after the fact, but it's just trying to get this to be edit free and it just goes in and it goes live. Um, so if you're liking the show, you're getting any value, you want to help us on our quest to uh, live stream live dives. Uh, that's kind of our next goal. So uh, visit our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. Click on the Patreon link. $3 or more gets you early access to the show notes, and we're going to actually have some uh, Patreon-only features coming up here pretty soon. Uh, I just found out this week that our audio hosting company got sold and being migrated. Oh. Yeah, so uh, I've been uh, dealing with that. Luckily, uh, I think it's going to be fine, but you know, I, I moved. If you remember in the good old days, we were on TalkShoe which was a free service that just never got any better. Um, so then I'd gone around and reviewed four or five platforms and decided on Podient. Well, Podient has gotten sold to another company, and I won't mention their name till we get through this. If it goes good, I'll mention If it goes bad, well, you won't know about it because I'm just going to move to something else. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, shouldn't You shouldn't have to change anything on your devices, the streams should stay the same, should go to the same places you listen to podcasts now. But that'll be happening here before the middle of June. So as if we weren't doing enough. <laughs> yeah. So are you ready for that time of the show? Absolutely. Okay. So um, I, I, I've, I've got kind of a string of them. Maybe we'll we'll start. So the uh, so I so the, yeah, let's let's do this one. Uh, my friend's house stinks because he lives downwind from a milk processing firm. Everything smells like dairy air. <laughs> Pretty close. Yeah. A lot of cows. Yeah. So. Uh, so, so here's this. I was I was on a uh, flight, and something just really stunk. I couldn't find it, and I know I wasn't the only one. Everybody around me had scrunched up faces. Somebody hit the flight attendant button. The flight attendant noticed quickly and started searching for the source. 
She ripped open the overhead storage bins and smelling each one cautiously. With a wretch, she grabs one of the cases from above, yanks at the ground, opens it up, and they and inside it was a dead rabbit. The owner immediately jumps up and says, Hey, that's my carry on. <laughs> All right, that's cute. That's cute. <laughs> so okay. Uh, one, one more. I think, I think this one takes the cake. Uh, a scuba diver goes to hell. They tell him you've not sinned so much. So we're going to allow you to choose the torture yourself. He goes to the first room and there are people being fried in a frying pan. Well, well that one doesn't suit him. So he leaves the second room room needles are being inserted under nails. Ah, that, that would hurt too much. He says and leaves in the third room. There's a man knee deep in sewage and he's having a smoke and he goes, well, this is it. He says, even though it stinks pretty bad, uh, I probably have no better choice. So he gets into the sludge waste. He takes out a cigarette and he lights it. And then he hears smoke breaks over, finish off eating. (laughs) 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 So on that note, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And keep your eyes on the heavens above. Yeah. I keep looking for that UFO that's been embedded into the mud bank. Into the mud bank? Where's that one? Well, they got a crash, you know, sometime. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, think it's, I think it's really neat that they're finally telling you that that aluminum foil that was the air balloon back mm-hmm. in the day really did give them uh, interesting specimens to work with. Yeah, well, I, I'm pretty yeah, sure the... It's foldable, uh-huh. and yet it'll resume its shape. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think... I thought it was interesting. The, the symbols on the metal was interesting also. I don't know if they've ever... I mean, it makes you think of hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that... Uh... Those uh, alien spacecraft, they're the same thing with my missing fins. They're all going to be right in the same spot. I just wonder the, if they do have a base underwater, which sounds reasonable. It's got to be pretty darn deep. Because you've got so many abysses, canyons, that we're not going to find it. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the sonar and stuff. You've got no reason to be out there other than the military. And you've got a lot of territory out there. Well, it, a lot of canyons and things like that that they'd have a whole base in. You'd never have a clue. Well, it's hard to get to. It's easy to camouflage even with modern technology. I was watching a video, and I can't remember which. It was, it was on Amazon or one of them. And it was of that. Remember, remember the we did the article, and it was a Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. looking item it looked like it didn't it it looked, it looked like, like it, it but this video was actually this group of divers raised money and actually went out there and they were on the spot and even with divers in the water and rovs they couldn't determine what it was they couldn't determine if it was man-made or not they said it was a a concrete like finish it had some sharp edges on it um they were trying to get samples, but the video didn't cover what, you know, if they had, the samples had come back or what was going on, but. How deep was that? It was, it was diveable depths. Like, uh, I'm 
trying to remember what it was. I'm saying 200. Might not even been that that deep. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've done some. They had some scans. Oh, I'm and also in the video, uh, they had a problem with their side scans got corrupted because they're playing and doing post processing. And then mm -hmm. several months later, somebody had finally gone through the data and fixed it and put it back together. And there was just, it was odd structures. I won't say it wasn't natural, but they were just kind of odd. You know, there was something going well, on there. Oh, yeah. In in the chat room, they're talking about uh, Arvesta Lake. Yeah, we didn't, yeah. We didn't talk about that. I know... Uh, I know Jim was trying to uh, get some people to go out and help. Right, I was unable to. Yeah, the the notice was a, was a little short, so I couldn't. Well, if they had asked us, I mean, we did that last year at the end of the year and did a damn good job. Remember? Yeah. Well, and then they just said and gave us a week notice. We could have gone out there and done it again. Well, and uh, Jim and I, when we were doing the side scanning, had talked about uh, helping. You know, doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, uh, I, I'm all I'm guessing is that they decide they want to do it with their own crew again, which is what they didn't did. Didn't work out too much. It didn't. It didn't work out. Wow! If I was launching a space shuttle, everybody would die. <laughs> okay. Why would they die if you just couldn't get it off the ground? It explode on the launch pad. <laughs> That's different now. That'd be bad. That'd be a bad day. Yes. Good. 